everyone. I'm Brittany, the content and research producer. And I'm Ellie, the media and content producer at Magnify. And welcome to the Magnify podcast, where we co-host aspirational conversations to help you thrive and work through faith. This podcast is a place where we explore all the topics and questions which we all grapple with in our careers in faith, from imposter syndrome, identity, perfectionism, acting in courage, boundaries, really the list could go on. We dig in and get frank about all things work using faith as a backdrop. And through these conversations with dynamic individuals, we hope you'll leave informed, intrigued, and inspired in your faith and work life. You have to make you have to make space for the confession of weakness, in order, I think, to then make space for the confession of courage. Hey everyone! So welcome to our final episode of season two. <laughs> I can't. It's actually crazy. I can't even believe that it is the the final episode. It's gone so fast, and we've had such beautiful conversations. Um, and today we actually are going to end it on one that is might be a little bit uncomfortable, but I think it's really important to share and to talk through. Um, and it's about weakness. All of us have weaknesses, and I think um, the place that they tend to shine the most, or the, or the place that we see them the most. Uh, tend to be in our career and in our work and so for Ellie how have you dealt with weakness in work? I think my like coping mechanism with weaknesses has just been to ignore them (laughs) (laughs) I feel like the more I just like don't give attention to it the more I think they'll go away but by doing this I've just found that I haven't been able to work on them and that's not to say like work on them to make them strengths but just work on them to make them an advantage to me. I think that's a good way of looking at it. And one of the things that we discovered through this episode is just for each of us, weaknesses look vastly different, right? And so in a work context, that could be maybe um, working through a lack of skill in one area um, or kind of trying to find and stick to some sort of a work-life balance. In order to see our weaknesses in a positive light, as you mentioned, um, we must first identify what they are. Yeah, definitely. Um, And in this final episode of season two, KJ Ramsey, who's a therapist and author of This Too Shall Last, joins us today to chat through this. And after being diagnosed with a chronic illness at 20, now 31, KJ has had to face her weaknesses head on. And in this episode, she shares how she was able to shed light on the weaknesses she faces in her work, how having weaknesses has been an advantage to her. And she shares her tips as a therapist on working through the stress that our weaknesses can bring up. KJ had so much wisdom to share, so let's listen in. So welcome, KJ, to the Magnify podcast. Um, we're so excited to chat to you. We're both huge fans, but we always love to do an opening question for us all to answer just to get to know each other a little bit better. So if you could be on any TV show, what would it be? Uh, Anne with an E. Oh, I've never heard of that one. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, it's so good. It's on Netflix. Okay. okay. Anne of Green Gables. It's like the, the most recent remake of her story, but she it's stunning visually and I love her character just as like the child version of me (laughs) in a lot in a lot of ways so I would love to be on that show amazing I'm gonna have to give that one a watch now oh you totally totally should yeah Brittany what about you I've still been having a hard time thinking through this one of where I would be. I started off thinking like, okay, maybe I could do like a game show. Like, a, um, I don't know. I used to love Jeopardy and stuff growing up. So like something like that. Or um, now I was thinking kind of, uh, there was a show from like the nineties called A Different World um, that I feel like that could be, that would actually be super fun to play on. It was just set in like a, like a college setting. So 
that could be really cool and the fashion was really good yeah I was gonna say that's such a good tactic going back in time for it I feel like that'd be really interesting I think like for the fashion I feel like it's such a classic answer but Gossip Girl but if not then okay I'm glad that you agree (laughs) yeah but yeah if not then also Below Deck because Brittany knows my obsession with that show and I just can't get enough of it so I think I just have to give it a go for one season maybe that's a great question I love it I I just thought of another one Bravo one Top yeah. Chef is one of my favorite things Ooh, ever. And I that feel would like, be fun. Yeah. That would be fun. I don't know if I could actually like compete, but I would love to be like a guest judge on <laughs> a there. A judge. Yeah. Yeah, be a judge. Just try yeah. it all. <laughs> so yeah, we like to go through a quick round of quick fire questions as well, just to get to know you a bit better before we dive into our conversation. So if you could okay. have a dinner party with three guests from any era, KJ, who would they be and why? Okay. That one is fairly easy. For me, they would be Teresa of Avila, she's a saint, um, Thomas Merton, a monk, uh, and Kathleen Norris, an author who is still alive. They're, they're all people who have like really informed who I am and what I do. Um, and I would just love to know like what helped them keep going in their vocation that sounds like a lovely dinner (laughs) and who's someone you look up to in your industry probably well there's a lot of people I look up to um and Voskamp is the main person that's coming to mind at least in the writing side of my work I you know I'm kind of bivocational in a way because I'm a licensed therapist as well as an author but um on the author side and Voskamp I think she does a beautiful job of writing with truth but wonder um, evoking wonder with her words and then uh, on the therapist side my friend Adam Young um, who does the place we find ourselves podcast I really look up to how he his approach to therapy and trauma and healing is really really beautiful and then what's a surprising fact about you (laughs) there's probably a lot Uh, a friend just was dog sitting for us last week. One of my best friends from college who lives five minutes away from me. And so I'm going to go with the fun fact of she wrote it on my, on my whiteboard behind me. She said, it's naked night Monday somewhere because in college, my roommates have naked Mondays with me with me, <laughs> and we would just sleep naked and it was hilarious. It was like, let's be free. Let's be ridiculous. I think that's probably the best surprising fact we've had yes. so far. <laughs> Definitely surprising. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and just getting into it a bit more, um, we're going to be talking today sort of about how we can use our weaknesses to our advantage in work. But just really starting from the beginning here, what was your childhood like growing up? And what do you think are the values that have shaped you into the woman you are today? Oof, that is really good question and a hard one um because in a lot of ways my childhood was steeped in faith and like being raised in the church um you know my family was very involved in our church and at the same time my childhood was steeped in trauma and chaos and like an over commitment to the American dream and like pull yourself up by your bootstraps mentality and theology so both those things shaped me 
yeah, my, my childhood was full of full, a lot of pain. There was just, there was abuse in my household. Um, and I didn't know until I went to college, like how not normal it was. Um, and so, yeah, my adult life has been kind of like learning that it's, it's okay to have weaknesses and it's okay to show them and you're not going to always be punished for it. And yeah, that there's, there's room to really my, my whole adult life has been learning, like I'm loved no matter what, even if I can't do anything, but that's rooted in a childhood where I was learning kind of the opposite. Um, And now that you're sort of a writer and a therapist, you said they sort of do both things. Um, Mm -hmm. You really do share just honest reflections on where we are in life. Um, That's just anybody can relate to it, um, no matter what they're going through. But can you share some of the processes you went through to be able to come to that place, to be able to share that with a wider audience and it not to just be like a private story? Yeah, um, it was definitely a process to get to hear. and and it started with what do I it started with two things um probably joy and anger (laughs) so joy in how God made me I'm I'm a writer like I love to write I was the nerdy kid in college who like was beaming while I was writing papers and (laughs) like couldn't get enough of it you know um and so realizing like oh that's not normal and perhaps you should do more of that um, was was one of the impetuses to getting to where I am and sharing my writing publicly, but the other was anger. And that is the anger of, um, I got sick when I was 20 years old with the disease that I still have, I'm 32. And, and it's always like, I've, I'm always in pain, like every single day for those 12 years I've been in pain and sometimes it's debilitating. And when I was first sick, I didn't come across like stories like mine. And a lot of how people responded to my weaknesses, my physical weakness and emotional along with it was very minimizing or dismissive or like giving me platitudes just, you know, but God's good and all things work together for good for those who trust him. And, and it's like, that's not sufficient. And so the anger of not having a story like mine reflected in common literature and in the people around me, that pissed me off enough to start to tell a better story. And, and so I just started like initially writing little bits of my story on Instagram and finding other patients who were like me and, and like finding, okay, I'm not the only young person who's sick. I'm not the only young person who's had to quit a job because her disease got too bad. Um, And then along the way, I started to publish articles and I'm a big, like I said, I'm a big nerd. So I I like did research in graduate school and realized like, oh, I would love for this to be out there for other people. So it's just been kind of a steady process of anger and joy compelling me forward. (laughs) And that's still true. Amazing. And just out of interest as well, did did you want to be like an author before you wanted to be a therapist or did one just sort of feed the other eventually? Yeah, I think they, they feed each other. It's funny. My friends all say that in college, I, they knew I would write a book. Um, I don't remember thinking that. Like 
I remember loving writing, but I don't remember ever thinking like I'm going to write a book someday. I've always read books like voraciously um, my whole life, but I don't know that I like was certain I'm going to become an author. Um, that love developed over time and kind of in tandem for me, my vocation they, they fuel each other. So like my time with my clients, like I'll spend the rest of the day seeing clients. There's always things that happen in those exchanges with my clients that then pour out of me in words for, you know, larger groups of people. And I need both. Like I, the time that I spend alone typing away, like anchors me and gives me joy that then overflow so that I can pour out empathy for others and therapy and it just all goes together for me amazing I love it it's so many things about what you said that I love that I would love to <laughs> kind of continue on with um and I think one of the I think one is something that we talk about a lot is kind of like this you know these moments of, of identifying right of identifying either like um purpose or passion or things like that um and in the context of this conversation uh identifying our weaknesses and sometimes to uh -huh. improve um particularly in work sometimes to, like improve upon them you gotta kind of know what they are to some degree um and like we said we love the way that you talk about all of it because it is um I don't know it's so affirming it's so like you know it doesn't have to take you out and so um what are some of the ways that you kind of became aware of your your own weaknesses <laughs> For me, it's been uh, very in my face. Mm -hmm. So my disease has made it so that I can't avoid seeing my weaknesses, particularly uh, beginning with my physical limitations. So, you know, starting from the very beginning of when I got sick in college, like at first I, my hands were so inflamed, I couldn't open them. You know, even two weeks ago, I had to cancel a whole day of sessions with my clients because randomly my disease was flaring and I was in too, I was in so much pain that I couldn't think straight. Like that's when you get real high on the pain scale. Um, and I know that if I'm in that much pain, like I'm not going to be able to hold space for my clients, but I've been doing that kind of having to face my physical and with it emotional limitations you know, for 12 years. So I'm, and it's still frustrating, but it's, it's part of my life. And it's in a lot of ways, because I run my own private practice, it's okay. It's okay. And it's actually a, even a therapeutic thing for my clients to see me accept I'm imperfect and to choose rest over making money and that I that I can't do everything and they can't either. And that's okay. Um, but as far as other ones, I, I think marriage has been a place where my weaknesses are reflected back to me as in a mirror. And, you know, even as an author with uh, more and more readers coming to find my work, uh, my husband is really gentle, but firm in pointing out to me like, hey, this is a lot. This takes a lot of time. Sometimes I feel missed by you. Sometimes you get so into like working on your next book that we don't talk very much that week. And so 
the weakness of even like, I'm a really passionate all in kind of person. Um, on the flip side of that can be, um, you know, distracted from loving the person who's most important to me. And he does a really good job of having hard conversations with me about it too. So that's kind of runs the gamut. There's way more weaknesses than that. No, I think that was perfect though. Cause the way that you've talked about it is kind of leading into my next question about even as we like identify those things about ourselves. Cause it's not like, it's not always the most <laughs> fun to like point out, but like, even as we do that, um, and like you said, you've been, there's certain things you've been living with for like 12 years. So how do you not have for you, like, how have you seen it? Um, have you been able to not allow it be like an insecurity as you, whether in work or in life? Yeah, I, I think that weaknesses have to be, the weight of our weaknesses has to be held in community and mm. community we, where we are seen and respected and heard and that we do that reciprocally for one another so I don't dwell in insecurity because I'm known by people in my offline life you know um even this this morning like one of my best friends called had some hard news yesterday that I'm kind of angry about and processing what do I do about this and texted her just for prayer but she could tell that yeah, this is a big deal to me. And she just called and we talked through, what do I, how do I process this? And she affirmed, it's good to be angry about this and let yourself stay there. And, and so I think I could have, you know, before she called, I started to feel a little bit of shame about how angry I feel about this bad news. Uh, as though I should be more rock solid than I am but held in the space of friendship, my vulnerability doesn't have to be something I'm ashamed of. It can be something that's honored and protected and stewarded and channeled to the right places. And I think that's essential for, for any kind of weakness, whether it's you know, like a disease like mine or um, big feelings like mine or having trauma or whatever. Uh, it's like having the courage to risk being known by people is is actually going to be it's like investment in having this bank of resources to hold the precious nature of who you are and who you are becoming and so friendship and um mentors like that's the only way to let your weakness become a place of grace. That is so good. I like that, become a place of grace. So with our weaknesses, it also, uh, we have strengths too, hmm. right, about ourselves. And so how important is it to kind of ensure that we focus on both and not kind of get wrapped up in like one or the other? When I first got sick, for the beginning years of being sick, it, uh, it took a lot of time to come to a place of acceptance of this being part of my life. And, and I say to patients often, like, sometimes you actually have to let it like get past the fear of this overshadowing your identity and let it kind of overshadow you for a time. And it's almost like the, the acceptance and the 
surrender to that um, is what makes it possible for you then to have more of an identity than your struggle. So actually the, the two stories are with the same friend. So this friend, uh, the best friend actually who wrote that on my board, uh, Mish, she uh, a couple years ago was like, hey, you know what? You've changed. Like it used to be really awkward sometimes and painful to know like how to support you in your sickness. And now it's just there. Like this came to be after we went on a walk and with a group of friends before the pandemic. And she, I, I had to walk slower um, because I was in pain and the others kept going, but without me saying anything, she slowed down because she knows like we've built enough time and trust where I've had to speak up to say, I need you to slow down that she remembers that. And she just instinctively does it. Um, so there's something about that, like willingness to actually speak up about the part of our life we're afraid is going to become our identity and that our friends are afraid are, is going to become our identity in that it frees us to be more than that thing. Um, and then the second part of the story is uh, this year when I moved from releasing my first book to writing my second, um, I struggled with like, how do you transition? Like, how do you close one door and start another? And the first book was like really, really hard to write and full of anxiety. And I didn't want to do that again. Like I want to become who I am. And so the same friend and I went and painted a painting, which is actually on the wall right next to me um, to remind me of who I am. And part of it was confessing. Like, how did I, how did I show up while writing my first book in ways that harmed me and others. And so I wrote out all these confessions on it and I read them out to her. And then she said, okay, that's great. But also I think you need to confess what you did right. I think you need to confess how you showed up with courage. And I wouldn't have done that if my friend didn't tell me to honor what I had done well. And I did, and, and that's on there too. And then I painted over it um, with colors that like are about my next book. And But that's what we have to do for each other, I think, is like, you, you, have, to make, you have to make space for the confession of weakness in order, I think, to then make space for the confession of courage. And we can't do that by ourselves. That's so beautiful. And I think like that's a thought I've been having a lot recently in that sort of acceptance part of things is that it's not our job to stop ourselves from having weaknesses and to stop things around us falling down. It's our job to understand when the time is right to use those weaknesses in a different way or start building what we have lost again. I think that's where our role comes into a lot of things. And I think that can be the same with weaknesses as well. So I know you've spoken a lot about, I mean, some beautiful stories about friendship there, um, but sort of how can we face these uncomfortable circumstances when we're looking at our weaknesses um, and sort of lean into them with confidence and allow them to develop us and not hinder us along the way as well. Yeah, I think we, a couple things, we don't look at them alone. So whether that's in the space of friendship, having space to be honest, um, having, you know, trying to, even if it's awkward and asking space with someone like get yourself a mentor um who you can be honest with and who can 
tell you what they see in you in your life and uh, also have a therapist. I think having, giving yourself space to be known is essential, but also I think to look at it, to be able to look at our weaknesses and not be held back by them, but also like to be who you're meant to be. Uh, We need rhythms of silence and solitude where you can soak in the reality that no matter how weak you are, you are welcomed by God. So like right before I did this with you guys, I sat and did prayer and it's one of my rhythms. It's time of silent prayer um, where I don't have to say anything to God in order to be praying. I can just sit with God. And when we just sit with God and we learn to like get more comfortable with that awkward silence, uh, it changes us. It actually on a physiological level changes the way that our nervous system responds to stress and the way that we can feel connected to another person changes the way that our attachment works uh, to sit in silence and, and realize, wow, like right here and always I'm loved, not for what I do, but just because I exist. And God is always looking at me like my dog's right here. A lot of times when I'm in centering prayer, I look at Merton and yes, my dog is named after one of the people I want to eat a meal with. <laughs> and my other one is too. My puppy is named Risa after Teresa of Avila. <laughs> I have a thing for these people. But um, I look at Merton and I just smile. He likes to sunbathe. And, and I think how I'm gazing at my dog and just like delighting in that he's my good buddy who's always here is just like this tiny fraction of how God sees me. He's just glad to be with me. He doesn't want anything from me. He's, he's just glad that I'm alive. That's how we can exist with our weaknesses and not be held back by them. That's how we can realize we are more than our weaknesses and that your weakness becomes this like seedbed of a garden that grows really nourishing food for other people. The only way that we can let those seeds really be nourished and to germinate is to spend time in silence and solitude and community. Amazing. And that really just links onto the next question as well. I love that analogy there of like the seed beds and we need our weaknesses to be able to water that and help that grow. So I suppose like in your own life, and I think from an outsider's perspective, it's really amazing how I suppose like through your weaknesses, you've had so many, I don't know, you're just able to in such a humble way, like do an amazing job at what you do. But how, from your point of view, have you been able to sort of, I suppose, see your weaknesses as an advantage in the work that you do as well? Yeah, I really do believe most of the time, most of the time, I do believe that they are an advantage because uh, I know what it feels like to be really discouraged. I know what it feels like to feel to feel abandoned by God. I know what it feels like to not have enough money to pay my bills. And it's that place of like, not just being victorious all the time that makes me able to comfort others 
you know, it's, it's, I can sit across from my clients and deeply care about any story of hard things they tell me because I know what it is to be brought low and I know what it is to experience loss. And so I know that their story is sacred and it's out of that like space of sorrow inside my heart that I can really communicate back to them, like reflect back to them in my affect, in my posture, in my words, in my silence even, your story is sacred. Your sorrow is sacred. I wouldn't know how to communicate that if I didn't know it firsthand from my own story. So I think it's an advantage. Yeah, I think that's sort of like one of the things that Brittany and I was sort of speaking about when we were thinking about this topic is that as much as like our weaknesses can definitely be an advantage, it, there's almost like a pressure, I think, in society. Mm. Like even that interview question, like, what are your weaknesses? And sort of you are encouraged to give a weakness, but then how are you changing that into your strength? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, but so much wrong with it, so much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, like how can we continue um, sort of on the areas where there is room to grow, but without glorifying that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I think about this a lot because I'm actually writing about this a little bit yesterday. Um, I said, I wrote, please let your life become a resurrection. And then I wrote another slide because I was like, but that's not like an ableism statement because I have an incurable disease. So like, I'm not saying let your life become a place where all your weaknesses vanish. I'm saying let your life become a place uh, when you choose reading a really good book over scrolling mindlessly on Instagram. When you open up to a new person and share part of your story and have just an ounce of trust that maybe they actually will hear you and not hurt you that's a resurrection every single day. And so I think it it really comes down to uh, cultivating the kind of life where you can be present in the present moment, where you can be prompted by your frustrations and your limitations and the way that you just were irritable with your coworker and that you overreacted to an email, all those things. You can be prompted by those things to becoming more attuned to your body and the way your nervous system works. Like all these things I'm talking about of being present, when your weaknesses come up and you your insecurities come up, all of our insecurities come up, what's really happening is your nervous system doesn't feel adequately safe and secure. And so we can become, I think a big way that we can like become more strong in the midst of our weakness is actually becoming more attuned to the way our bodies work and that we can find ways to regulate ourselves in the midst of stress and insecurity and be a good friend to ourselves in our places of weakness, um, not shame ourselves for being imperfect. Uh, and, and I've experienced in my own life in this practice of presence and embodiment um, you know, awareness of my nervous system. We got, that's what all this is over here. I was teaching a client about the nervous system stress states yesterday, but it's that, that like 
I don't get as overwhelmed as I did five years ago, two years ago. It, I'm changing and, and like, I'm not that special. It's stuff that's available for all of us. We all have a nervous system. We all have stuff that's built right within us uh, that allows us to self-regulate and co-regulate to be more grounded no matter what's happening. Um, I just wanted to actually just really quickly pick off of that is definitely like from within all of that, it takes an awareness of that idea of being in the present. It takes awareness to be able to stop in our tracks. And I think that's really hard sometimes when we go into that case of like, like you said, that shame and that just wanting to hide away. So for our listeners in your own life, what have been the practical ways you're able to really just stop yourself in that moment and go sort of counteract those natural responses that our bodies have? Yeah, the, this is where the rubber meets the road. There are things we can do. So my main things um, are my breath. Um, in the middle of stress, if you notice your body at all, like coming to that place where you're like, your chest is pounding, your heart is pounding, chest is tight, shoulders are, are tight and maybe up to your ears. Um, that's a good moment to breathe deeply to slow down the pace of your breathing and especially to um, lengthen your exhale. So like even right now, we can all take a breath, just. And, and you can do that in the middle of a conversation and no one has to know for a little bit extra layer there. Uh, when we're stressed like this, when those insecurities come up, um, you know, get the, this is like your brain. Uh, this is your brainstem. This is your prefrontal cortex. This is the part that is responsible for you to like feel like you and to stay rational and like remember that you're loved and like eventually your story is going to end in joy. That part of your brain, when you're stressed out and insecurities rise, psh, flips. And you actually get controlled by this middle part of your brain and the lower part, your brainstem. You get disconnected from that part of you that is most you. And so strategies like breath actually bring your brain back together so that you can be you and remember who you are and whose you are. Um, so that's a side, but the other thing you can do, uh, one of the quickest ways that you can feel more secure and safe is actually through your eyes. And so you can look, yeah. Did you know that your eyes are part of your nervous system? And so they're actually connected to your brain. And like, as a baby is developing in the womb, like the, the retina develops as the brain develops and is connected. Uh, most people don't realize that. So you can, when you're feeling stressed, if you're in the middle of a podcast and it's going terrible, um, <laughs> you, can, you can look up. Because what happens is if you're stressed and it's going terrible and you start to feel like you're bombing it or whatever, your vision starts to get really focused. You can't see what's around you and it's like you're focused on the threat in front of you. What you can do is consciously widen the frame of your vision. Like just while you're looking forward, try to see what's in your periphery without turning your eyes. Just look. So like I'm seeing my, my diffuser, um, my books, my phone's over there. And that practice of actually widening your vision sends signals throughout your nervous system to that you're safe and that it can calm down. 
that you're going to be okay. Um, and you can do that in the middle of a conversation and no one has to know. Just make it easier for yourself. Right. Like we try so hard to have faith and to be stronger in the midst of yeah. our weakness. And we don't realize we're like trying to bypass the very thing that will make it happen faster (laughs) and more deeply like oh you can't just think you can't just think yourself into feeling better and stronger you can't just pray yourself into thinking and feeling (laughs) better you can go there from your weakness in your body in that like distress that your body's feeling and that's what is gonna actually more quickly bring you back to being grounded one final question thinking through that because we have talked um so much of what we've been talking about today has included other people this included community mm-hmm. and that compassion um in a way and so um something that you wrote recently actually kind of stuck with us a bit of just maybe honor kind of Maybe honor the hard things others cannot see. Mm. Um, and some, uh, I think you mentioned it a little bit earlier too, of like there are, um, yeah, there are just things that we're we're trying to do and that we're working on that like other people don't always see, get to see like the, the hard piece of it. Thinking through that as we talk about like kind of our own weaknesses, how can we be a bit more understanding to what um, other people may be going through in terms of their weaknesses and the way that they're kind of showing up to to meet them as we work on ours simultaneously. Knowing that you always have more, there's always more to your story than anybody else can see. Actually staying in touch with your own weaknesses and your own like, oh, it's so hard to do this. Like staying in touch with that difficulty actually can like be a place where you can extend that sight to somebody else and and be like ready to notice their Mm -hmm. courage in the small things that most people wouldn't wouldn't notice which gets back to that practice of presence so the other thing with it is i think we can become people who hold space to honor the hidden hard things in other people's lives to the extent that we are willing to remain present and grounded and that gets back to your nervous system and like practicing being a person who knows how to bring your brain back together and to move to be able to more seamlessly move from stress to being soothed and feeling safe is actually the best thing that you can do to be a a grounded presence for someone else and see what's happening under the surface because when we encounter other people often our own insecurities come up our own fears our own inadequacies like goodness I don't know what to do for them I don't know what to say they're like she just told me she got diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and I don't know what to say to that you know that makes you feel anxious but when you're able to like remember to have take a deep breath pray right there in that moment inside your head suddenly you can extend more compassion and more grounding you can let there be space for silence and and it changes the interaction thank you so so much kj for everything love what you guys are doing 
So here were our top three takeaways from KJ's conversation. And the first one was that the weight of our weaknesses have to be held in our community. And it goes further than just us sharing our own weaknesses with our friends and family, but it goes on to them being able to share their weaknesses with us. But yeah, just held in the space of community, our vulnerabilities become something that's not to be ashamed of, but honored and protected. Right, which is so beautiful and kind of leads into takeaway number two that we had, which is you have to let your weaknesses overshadow you and being able to accept them, to see them as an advantage, which I thought was such um, kind of a profound one because I think uh, to your point earlier, sometimes weakness is one that we either want to ignore or just try to minimize in our lives. And I think KJ had such a beautiful view on it of, of that sometimes you just you gotta lean all the way into it in order for it to like to actually like grow within it and so um one of the points or practical tips that she had that she does with a friend um is you have to make space for the confession of weakness in order to make space for the confession of courage and so both go hand in hand as you spend time talking through the areas that you feel um you are a bit weekend or you want to grow more in don't only focus on those but also simultaneously look at the areas that um you did have some courage in that you did do well and because it's a it's a balance of the two definitely you can't have one without the other with every strength comes a weakness and with every weakness right. comes a strength so if you think you have no strengths you most definitely do right. um <laughs> and our third our third takeaway from our conversation in this episode was that when our weaknesses come up so do our insecurities but in these moments remember your breath and vision and i thought these were just such practical tips that kj shared of just taking a deep breath in and then exhaling it out and with that you can say certain words that might encourage you throughout the day it could be an affirmation but yeah just don't shame yourself for having weaknesses because everyone does but it doesn't mean that they have to hinder you yeah it was such a beautiful conversation and i think it um led us well in kind of wrapping up this uh, second season and so we are so grateful to everyone who's listened and joined in and been a part of this community as we've talk to individuals from all different spheres and just gain so much wisdom and insight. Just thank you so much for joining um, on this journey with us. And we look forward to seeing you for season three. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode. If you know anyone who might love this episode too, go ahead and share it with them. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We love to hear your thoughts and it really helps us out. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to our email list, which you can find on the Magnify website, where you'll get connected and informed with even more inspiring content. And also our inbox is always open. So if you have a topic you want us to chat about, or if you have something that you just want to add to our conversations, you can email us at elliatmagnifycollective.com.